Hey friends, welcome to Recovering with Danny. I'm your host, Danielle Van Kay, and this podcast is all about eating disorder recovery, being a single 30-something, navigating the dating scene, and going through, you know, an existential crisis or two. My goal as an eating disorder recovery coach is to help you start living the life you have always dreamt of. Welcome to the show. Welcome to another episode. I'm here today with my friend and colleague again, Amalia. And um, okay, to, to be fully transparent, this is our second try. The first try, there was some mishap with the audio again, per usual, on my end. <laughs> so anyway, hi, Han, how are you? I am doing very well. How are you doing? I am uh, frazzled, to say the least. Um, <laughs> oh god don't get me even started it's just honestly one of those days um yeah it's just one of those days i I just honestly can't put it in any other way it's um but i'm glad to be here with you and i'm so sorry about that first initial situation with our audio that's fine these things are kind of unavoidable when we're dealing with technology you know so for 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 transparency me and danny were like in the middle of a good conversation then we realized oh shit this audio is just not not doing well so i had to like redo it and now we are here on a second attempt right no and actually it's even worse because i got i don't know if anyone has followed me on my instagram stories my um in electricity and internet got cut off in my own apartment so i had to go back to my mom's and it's like a whole shit show anyway so i'm not here contemplating what am i doing with my life and also how does this internet work here and i'm sitting next to a door in the dark basically so anyway we're just gonna roll with it it will be fine um and i'm just so excited about this episode because it is about a lot of oh that's the dog oh the postman came of course lay down lay down yeah sorry continue yes we love that we love that that's just again real life you know real life yeah you're you'll probably hear a chihuahua barking in a couple of seconds as well so just give anyone a heads up um so yeah, so today is going to be about some things that I we both feel like it's not there's a lot of talk about that. And that's about eating disorders, low sex drive, low libido, dating with an eating disorder, how to navigate that. And should you even be dating when you have an eating disorder? Yeah. And I actually started talking about something which I've never shared on air before. And that is my vaginismus story. Uh, and misdiagnose or misdiagnosis therefore um but do you want to start off telling a bit of your side of the story not vaginismus of course but like (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh, yeah I, i guess i can start a bit with saying that when i struggle with my eating disorder I experienced being completely asexual and don't get me wrong being asexual is in itself it is a real sexual orientation but in my case it was my asexuality and my complete disinterest in sex and intimacy was induced by the eating disorder right I didn't quite know that and I think this is a common thing where things are induced by the eating disorder yet we don't quite realize that it is I thought that I was just someone 
who was asexual, who was completely disinterested in sex and also in just emotional intimacy, close friendships, close relationships. So I essentially just was completely, I stayed away from dating. I stayed away from sex. I stayed away from everything. And then as I started recovering, I started noticing that first of all, my sex drive started coming back and I was like, whoa, 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 what is this? It was like very scary and a little bit shameful as well because I wasn't used to having those feelings. And then also I started getting urges to, you know, have close connections with people again, right? I started like the thought of dating seemed actually quite appealing, you know, and getting to that point of doing that when I was so used to, you know, just being in my own space and not, not seeing anyone, not having sex, you know, that was quite a process and it was quite scary, but I'm glad I did it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, amazing. And like I I said, well, in our <laughs> previous podcast episode which was a shit show uh i said whether you are you know male or female if your body is in a state of malnutrition and your endocrine system is lacking in fuel the last thing you on your mind is sex basically right that so that that's just again male or female we really want to emphasize that it doesn't it, it doesn't only apply to of course women white women you know having an eating disorder it applies to everyone with an eating disorder it's just if you're restricting you're not thinking about sex that's the last thing on your mind and um on my end it was kind of like um a weird one in the sense that i had lyme disease i still have it and then i also of course had an eating disorder for a very long time and i kind of like um well i got my period in a very at a very young age uh, i was i was basically 10 years old so that's pretty young um and i got diagnosed with vaginismus so the diagnosis itself never felt like the right diagnosis and i still went to i can't even count how many gynecologists i went to because I lost track at some point. There were, I, I mean, maybe 10, 10 gynecologists in a row just said to me, Danny, you have vaginismus. And if you think, okay, what is vaginismus? It's basically your pelvic floor um, or your pelvic muscles just contracting whenever something comes in. So penetration is literally the most painful thing when you have vaginismus. So this was, this also really played a role in my recovery because I thought, I am signed up for failure anyway. I have an eating disorder. I have Lyme disease. I, I'm in a wheelchair. I can't have sex. What is there for me to recover for, right? So even, even my mom said to me, honestly, Danny, this is, this is she, was, she was very, very worried about that part of my life because she knew that the older that I was getting and because it was very far back in my mind anyway, I was like, yeah, whatever, sex, I'm not interested in it anyway. It was kind of like something that wasn't on the forefront of my mind. But of course, thinking about my future, did I want to have kids? Did I want to have a relationship? All those things. I thought, oh my God. This, this might be a thing. Um, so to fast forward to me being already recovered for a very long time. And imagine this, I got my libido back. I have my sex drive back, but I couldn't do anything with it because even though I wanted to have sex, I knew that I couldn't have sex. So I was like, oh no. And that's actually when I started dating as well. So it was 
it, this was a complicated time of my life. And I actually never really opened up about this in this way. So this is kind of like, um, you know, the first time ever that I'm talking about this, but I'm completely fine talking about it because I think so many people are misdiagnosed with it, with, with, with having vaginismus, which is so sad. So I, deep down, I felt like this is a misdiagnosis. So I went to a gynecologist, my last one, finally. And this man said, Jenny, there's nothing wrong with you. Your hymen is just completely closed. Well, not completely, but almost completely closed. You have two tiny little holes in your hymen, and that's why you can still have your period. But he said, if you would have, if you, if a guy would penetrate you, you would bleed to death. Like it would be so painful. It would be, I, my God, it would be a massacre. So, and he said to me as well, it's actually a tiny, tiny operation, not no biggie. You're just going to go in in surgery. Your your recovery is going to be six weeks. That's it, and you'll be able to start trying. And so that's actually at age 27. Imagine this. I had sex with my back then boyfriend, so now my ex-boyfriend, for the first time ever in my life. So that was at age 27, and I'm now 32. So. Mm. I mean, I had to start my hospital summer, like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I think this also highlights something so important, which is that, you know, I think a lot of people with, with eating disorders, but also chronic illness in general, they kind of start things later, right? For instance, they may lose their virginity later. They may start dating later, right? And I just want to let people know there is no shame in that. It is completely normal. I lost my virginity uh, earlier than you, but I didn't start dating until I was in my 20s. So it was like a bit of a, oh, wow, what is this, right? And I also want to say, you know, that is such a shame that you had that experience of being misdiagnosed. And if you are someone who have gotten a diagnosis and you feel deep inside, like, oh, this is maybe not right, get a second opinion or a 10th opinion, you know, it, it is sometimes mistakes are made. Uh, but I'm so glad that they could figure out what it was and give you, you know, the treatment that you needed. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it was honestly, this man changed my life um, because, yes, intimacy and sex, for me at least, is a part big, a big part of my life. I, I never thought that would be. But um, and, and also because I was already recovered, I was so I was sexually frustrated. I was I was frustrated just on every level because I was like this guy, there's just something off here. This doesn't feel right, but I couldn't, you know, that, that feeling, I know, I know you have this as well with maybe chronic illness or people that are listening to this, when you have a chronic illness that you feel like there's something wrong with me, but I just feel there's no one giving me the right diagnosis. There's nothing out there that's helping me right now, which is the most frustrating thing ever, because I, I can also relate to that when it comes to you know, with Lyme disease, I had the same thing. I got misdiagnosed all the freaking time. It was a chronic fatigue syndrome. It was uh, fibromyalgia. It was everything except for Lyme disease. So once I got the diagnosis of Lyme disease, I was like, oh my God, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I can finally start treatments. Mm-hmm. And it was the same way I got my um, diagnosis of, of basically, well, it wasn't really a diagnosis. It was really as simple as getting a procedure done and that was that. And uh, I had to, I did have to do some, which actually funny anecdote. I had to go to this um, uh, physiotherapy 
that well is it is god what's the name i think it's uh i i, I mean physiotherapy specialized in uh sexology mm-hmm. sexologist maybe sex well no was yes and no because we didn't uh, i also went to a sexologist but that was more just talking mm-hmm. this girl was hands-on if you know what oh, i mean okay. <laughs> I mean, we went deep yeah <laughs> and liquid like <laughs> She went places I didn't even know that existed. And I was like, okay. Yeah. No, it was it was that it was that kind of thing. But it was necessary. So because it was okay, so okay, here we if you have kids in the car, you should really have to stop listening right now. Um, or if you're under 18, there are there is some sexually explicit material in this episode that may not be suitable for younger audience. Right, we kind of forget forgot to put that disclaimer. Yes. Yeah, maybe put it in the intro or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. So, and honestly, you know, we're very sex positive. Uh, at least, yeah, I speak on behalf of myself. But yeah, this was just part of my life. Uh, so what we, what she did, it was just like uh, measuring my pelvic floor um, contraction. So how much I contracted, and it was like tiny insertion it was basically a tampon honestly that was it it was just a tampon and then just measured the contraction and she said to me she was like i saw her eyes just widening and she said oh my god you have nothing wrong with you i said wow Mm. thank you really she said why are you even here i said i don't know Mm. everyone is sending me here she said I give you the you can go have start having sex honestly and that's actually was my go sign of just you know thank god I had a boyfriend back then who I felt so safe with as well um and who knew he was by me I mean honestly this guy and I I, I will even send this episode to him um he was there waiting for me all this time he was even there with the operation he just waited. This man deserves an award, a medal and everything. We're actually still friends. Um, but he just, he, yeah, I just felt super safe. So I had mm-hmm. sex with him for the first time ever in my life. He took my virginity at age 27. And again, if anyone listens to this and feels like, oh, I'm such a late bloomer. Well, take me and Amalia as, as, as examples. We're with you on that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And... So yeah, that was that. That's kind of the end of my vaginism story. But um, and then I, I I think what what what's maybe like a beautiful transition in this sense would be um, body image stuff when it comes to intimacy and feeling. Yeah, how you feel about yourself, being in the bedroom, mm-hmm. being intimate, whether that's just you know touching someone or really having sex. Mm-hmm. Um, how 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 do, did that play out for you um you know during my eating disorder when my body image was really bad I didn't engage in any form of sex or romantic relationships at all right so I kind of didn't really start dating and having sex until I was in a good place with my body but I also of course understand for a lot of people they may be in an active eating disorder and they may be in a relationship or they may be dating or they may be engaging in you know casual sex etc whilst having an active eating disorder or whilst being in recovery right and it's interesting because 
on one hand, there are a lot of biological reasons ways why a lot of people, not everyone, but why a lot of people experience a lack of libido when they have eating disorders. Uh, but also part of it is a lot of our libido is also tied into feeling good about ourselves, right? If you feel attractive in your own body, you're more likely to feel like, yeah, I want to have sex, you know, and also have sex that is good and meaningful, you know, like sex that where you're feeling you, you know, you don't think, oh my God, how do I look like in this position? How do I look like in this lightning? You know, instead you're just being present. So I think that is another very important part. I completely agree. Yeah. And I also, what I really, I, I had to think back in on, well, I still have negative or bad body image days like everyone has, right? And I don't have a partner, so it's not something that plays a, a role in my day-to-day -day life. But I can imagine if you do have a relationship currently and you are and you are in recovery or you even are recovered, but you still have bad body image days, which again is a very normal thing. You all have them and doesn't matter if you're recovered or not, whether you have an eating disorder or not all suffer from bad body image days. What is very, very, very important, I would say, is to decrease your negative self-talk because we can really talk so negatively about ourselves um, and self-sabotage in that sense. And sometimes the act of actual intimacy does decrease your uh, negative body image. I, at, at least that was my own experience. Once I started to engage in, you know, self, I was like, well, you know, in my head because that person that i'm having uh, sex with right now is absolutely not concerned about my cellulite or mm -hmm. my goals or about whatever i'm insecure about it's all in my head mm -hmm. so it actually reinforced for me the fact that it's all in my head it's not about body body it's it's about what's going on in my head mm-hmm yeah, that is so true. And I think this is really something I can vouch for as well. So I'm bisexual. So I've had partners of all genders. And when I've had partners of the same gender as me, and I look at their bodies, and I, for instance, if I have an insecurity in my own body, I often tell myself, well, would I find this exact thing a negative thing in someone else, right? I'm realizing when I look at other people's bodies, I never care about, I, I don't really think about, you know, oh, do they have like a role or do they have cellulite? I just see their whole body and think they're amazing, right? If you are in bed with someone that you care about, chances are they, they know how you look like. They're happy to be there with you, right? So I think we so often get in our own heads and we think about our own flaws, but actually are, we're not really thinking that much about those so-called flaws in other people. Are they even flaws in other people, right? Right. Oh, absolutely. And we're the same, right? When we're with our partners, it's not like we're also looking at their flaws or thinking about that at all. We're just in the moments. Yeah. Um, I think, well, you're great, you know? <laughs> yeah. I would never judge. It's, it's not about that at all. It's, it's, you want to be there for that reason and not because they, they have a belly roll or I have a belly roll. It's not about that. It's all in our heads. So, um, yes, that's a very, very big one. And I, how, Say, how did you navigate dating? Um, because I think this is this is a kind of like a two-way thing, um, a two-ended maybe question even, because we both have a chronic illness, and uh, we have a past with an eating disorder. But how? What? What would your advice be for people that currently are having, are struggling with eating disorder, but also are kind of wanting to? you know, take a little baby step here and there in the dating scene. 
Mm-hmm. You know what? I want to say that I, you know, there is a saying that goes, oh, you need to love yourself because before you can love other people. I don't think that's true at all. I think that, yes, when you are loving yourself and you are in a good place with your body image or like you, the way you see yourself, your self-worth, of course, that makes you someone who naturally probably will attract a healthier relationship. But also you can be in a place where you hate yourself, but you can have a supportive partner who absolutely adores you, right? And I think so often there is this this idea that we must be fully healed, fully perfect, fully great before we can ever think about, you know, sharing ourselves with another person. But I want to say, if you feel ready to date and you're still, maybe you are in recovery, maybe you're not quite where you want to be yet, you can still date. But also it's completely okay if you realize, you know what, I kind of want to sort out my recovery first. That would, That's what I did. I kind of just was like, you know what, I want to focus on my recovery right now. I'll do that in the future, right? So I want to say that do what works for you. Don't feel like you must be fully healed or anything like that in order to deserve love or affection. But also if you feel like you just don't want to go there right now, that's okay as well. Don't feel pressure that, oh shit, I should be dating. I should be having sex because X, Y, Z. If you don't feel like it, you don't have to either, right? So I guess that would be that would be my best advice. Just take some of the pressure off yourself of should, should not, because that's a big thing people do. And if you're entering dating and romance with this pressure that I should do this, I should not do that, you're just going to be tense. You're not going to be able to really notice the wonderful person in front of you. You're just going to be too much in your own head about the shoulds and shouldn'ts, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The On the flip side, I also think it can be... Um, something like an excuse from her eating disorder saying oh but i first need to heal myself and get my act together in order to i first need to solve everything in order to put myself out there that's what i told myself for the longest time mm-hmm. i always thought i need to first be perfect whatever that meant and solve whatever's going on in my life but the thing is we're all flawed we all have shit going on everyone has things going on and the older that i got the more that i realized um also dating i i mean i have a not necessarily a thing for older men but basically the, the guys that i usually date are a little bit older than i and you know everyone in their let's say mid 30s and third late 30s beginning 40s mid 40s guess what we've all had things to go through We've all had shit to go through or we're going through that as of right now. Mm-hmm. So I think also it's very much of um, you have to be careful of not thinking, oh, I first need to get everything sorted out and I need to get my act together. And I first need to be fully, like you said, you first need to love yourself before you can be loved or can, can love someone else. I think that's so not true. That's mm-hmm. I, I know actually so many so many clients of mine are currently in very loving relationships and being in a relationship yeah. also a very healthy thing plus it mirrors very healthy behavior because their 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 significant others or partners are people without eating disorders I think it also can play a very it can be a very effective um, and very positive thing in your life as well Yeah, I think a healthy relationship can have an amazingly positive effect. But equally, if you are in a very unhealthy relationship or an unhealthy situation, that can also be detrimental, right? Eating disorder, if if you're someone in a very abusive relationship or you're just in a situation that doesn't make you feel good, eating disorder will sometimes take that situation and be like, oh, the problem here is actually your body. The problem is, and then again, the eating disorder will try and look for 
for things to blame. So instead of being like you are with a toxic partner, uh, and that is kind of the problem is you're in a toxic relationship with a toxic partner, eating so is going to be like, no, 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 the problem is your body here, right? And then try and look for a solution where it wants them to be, right? So I think it is relationships, when healthy and nurturing, can be amazing also in recovery. Of course, there's always the trap of that, like, I guess that codependency where you become too dependent on your partner in recovery and that they almost become responsible for your emotions. That's also something to be a little bit mindful of. But overall, a healthy relationship, whether that is a romantic relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's with a family member, you know, those we are social people. We don't need to isolate ourselves until we're perfect. And I did that for so long, I was just completely isolating myself, thinking I was some never ending self de development project, right? And then I was like, you know what? I'm okay. To, I can love and be loved exactly as I am. God, this is literally my story as well. Yeah, we're, this, yeah, same, same. I had no one around me because I thought I need to fix myself first and then I can get myself out there. Then I can start meeting new people. Then I can start dating. And so, yeah, I actually started dating. I mean, it was once I was already recovered, but actually, as I, I've now started thinking, hold on, I actually had some dates when I was still, I was on at the end of my recovery. So I was almost there, but I was not fully there yet. And um, uh, because a question that I also have quite often is how do you communicate and navigate uh, dating when you do have an eating disorder and you do want to start a relationship? And, and do want to start dating and getting yourself there. So my advice would be, you don't have to, you don't owe anyone an explanation in that sense. Uh, I would say you, you have to do whatever feels right to you. So I am someone who open book. I will tell people very, very quickly that I, you know, have Lyme disease. I, I do do it in a way where it's not, I, I, w I would say it's, it's, uh, I, I've, I've tried a lot of things, honestly, in the past few years. And um, with trial and error, I figured out how, what works for me. Um, and when people ask me, how do you, how did you end up starting your business? Of course, I have to tell them about my, well, not have to, but I will tell them about my past with an eating disorder. But if everyone, most people will ask me, so how are you doing right now? And I will always tell them, well, I am already recovered for so many years, but when it comes to my Lyme disease, yeah, that's kind of like an ongoing project, to be honest. Um, but when it comes to being transparent about your eating disorder, I would say take some time, but also if you feel like you want to be upfront, do that. Yeah, exactly. I think you got to do what is right for you as cliche as that sounds some people like being just completely upfront like this is the situation and yeah that will scare off some people but it will only scare off the people who weren't meant for you in the first place right there are many people who that would be a deal breaker for right maybe they have issues themselves maybe they feel like they have a have had a difficult experience with someone around them having eating disorders you know try and think before we demonize people Try and think, would you be able to handle dating someone with an eating disorder yourself, right? For some people. And the same thing goes with chronic illness. I mean, that can be, it can be devastating when you are putting it out there that, yeah, I su suffer with chronic illness and that is a deal breaker for someone. I think we spoke a bit about that in the last episode we did that, you know, that we can maybe feel frustrated about that. But the truth is, if you are someone who loves hiking mountains, then maybe, you know, I don't think me or Danny would be great partners for you then, you know, if you want someone to hike with all the time. And that is okay as well. So you also try and think of dating as finding someone you're compatible with rather than you auditioning for a role in someone else's life. 
exactly yeah that's exactly what we talked about in our uh, latest episode mm. and that is one of the most important things so i think there there is no right or wrong way you ha- just have to do whatever feels good to you and for you and we are just here to basically talk about our own experiences and what worked for us and of course give some advice and guidance in that sense but there's no itself for anything in life right mm-hmm. dating uh some people are like you know what i actually am not interested in a relationship at all that's fine as well if you don't feel like being with someone else you can just being by yourself and doing all the things you want to do and be selfish for as long as you want for the rest of your life or for an extended period of your of your life mm-hmm. that's exactly me right now i'm like i'm good by myself and i've been single for the past four years and i'm fine of course, I would like to, at some point, have someone to share my life with. But I know that also comes with certain concessions and um, boundaries. And I'm like, right now, I'm not in a stage of my life where I really have energy for that. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Um, so, yeah, I think all in all, dating, relationships, intimacy, sex, it all comes down to one thing. And that is communication. Mm-hmm. There, I feel like communication, it's such a it's such a buzzword. And I think communication, of course, is very important. But I also think comprehension is very important. You oh, know, yeah. when you've had a conversation with someone, you told them everything, but then you feel like they just didn't quite understand what you said. You know, they listened, but they didn't really hear you, if that makes sense, right? So I think make sure to be around people who actually try to understand you, you know? There are many people who will listen, but not hear you, you know? So there's a difference there as well, I think. Oh, absolutely. And, that, and that's why by communication, it filters out the people that don't have that empathy um, bone in their body, right? And they just don't. They mm. just, don't. They, they, they're they nodding their heads, but they're but simultaneously, they're thinking, huh, what? Uh, and that's, that's fine. That's, that's on them. That's you, you're not there to educate them on your boundaries and on your life. It's just about you navigating and communicating your boundaries and what you want and desire from whether it's a relationship dating uh, intimacy sex you name it it's Mm -hmm. it's up to them to yeah like you said listen to it and then according to exactly exactly and I think here it's also important to be be aware of the type of people you are meeting and attracting you know if you notice that you are on your 10th date and it's just crappy person then also think is there a part of me that gravitates toward people who, for instance, are non-communicative, people who are distant, you know, be mindful as well. Of course, sometimes it's just the truth is you just you meet someone shitty and it's not really your fault. Right. But also be mindful of what kind of people you tend to gravitate towards or attract. Right. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like sometimes you see a running theme also in your life. You constantly go for the same kind of people. Yeah. Um, and that's all part of life, all navigating trial and error. And you know what? That's a pattern of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether you want to break that pattern, again, um, he, the, there was a lot of things going back to my past as well, thinking, oh, shit, I'm going for the same person over and over and over mm-hmm. again. And you know what? This is actually harming, harming me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That is so, so common, right? And I think also... A lot of times us who have had eating disorders or have eating disorders and also a chronic illness, like as I mentioned with this, as we spoke about with the whole thing with like being a late bloomer, 
you know, like I didn't really start dating people until I was in my 20s. And all of the lessons that a lot of people learn in their teens, a lot of my peers, they learned in their teens because they were like dating and, you know, all of these things I had to learn in my 20s. So when I started dating, I felt almost like a teenager, like I didn't quite know the script. I didn't quite know how does this work. And add on to that, I'm also bisexual. So I was dating people of different genders. And then I suddenly had that script as well. Okay, sure, I'm dating women as well now. So it can be, you can feel a little bit like, oh my God, everyone knows how to do this and I don't, and I'm late to the game, but that is the case well. So it's just because you start late doesn't mean that you shouldn't start at all. And also, I know we spoke about, for instance, you said you lost your virginity at 27. I started dating. I lost my virginity before that, but I, I started dating seriously more in my 20s. But there are also people who are going to do even later than that as well. And that is okay. You know, it's never too late. As long as you do it because you want to do it, not just because you feel, oh my God, I'm still a virgin. I need to go and run out and lose my virginity or, oh my God. I need to meet someone when you actually don't really feel like it, you know? Amen to that. Yes, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, that's why I say it sounds weird, but I feel like I'm lucky in the sense that I lost my virginity at a later stage because of everything that happened. Because I rush, I um, had someone with me as well who was very patient. I trusted him. And it was just a very pleasant experience instead of like rushing through it. And mm -hmm. I don't know, just feeling like, oh, I'm left out. And of course, there was a moment that definitely felt like that. But that was more the because I felt, how can I be misdiagnosed for so long? This is just so unfair. Mm -hmm. And there must be so many women out there who are, if you're currently, by the way, if you currently feel like you can relate to my story, don't give up. And if you feel like, I want to know some of the doctor DM me a DM and I can I can send you the details he is um, he's in, in in Holland though um but he is amazing he is so kind um it's worth a flight there honestly mm -hmm. yeah yeah no I fully fully support that you know get a second opinion if you think that hey maybe something isn't right and I'm so glad that you had a healthy experience in terms of you had a very patient partner who was there with you throughout the whole time. I had the opposite thing because when I started dating, I had no idea what I was doing and I didn't know how to spot an unhealthy person for me. So I would remember, I just went straight from the first person I actually started dating when, when I was recovered it was a very, very abusive relationship, a very abusive situation. It was not officially a relationship. It was a very, very abusive situation. And I was just like, okay, is this how it's supposed to be like? And I remember my first relationship that actually was healthy or healthier. I was like, wait a minute, this is how it's supposed to be like, right? So this can also be a difficult one because when I entered the dating stage, I was quite naive. And then, of course, the people who would know, some people will notice, oh, she's very young and naive and she doesn't know what's going on here and then prey on that, right? So I just wanted, that's also something to be mindful of. If you are someone who's kind of new to, new to the game, right? Don't accept bad treatment. And if you're constantly questioning, was that really okay? Was that really okay? It's probably not okay. Right. Yeah. And so maybe confide in your friends and people that you trust. Because it, like you said, if you're very naive, I, I thank God I didn't have that experience. I feel like I am a very good judge of character. Um, sometimes I can be even <laughs> too too much of that. I, mean, I wouldn't say judgmental, but I, I, I can see right through things quite mm -hmm. early on thank god that's i think my saving grace in a lot of situation but yeah i know a lot of people don't and mm -hmm. i 
I I don't um I don't for instance I I would say if you really struggle with this just hire a dating coach you know yeah. there are dating coaches out there people who have had health experience with dating in uh during their recovery after I mean Amalia and I kind of do uh, I for sure do but I I'm not a dating coach but if you feel like you know what or just therapy in general what we just talked about before if you're currently going for the same kind of person and it's going back to your past um there's definitely something there to work mm-hmm. on yeah yeah no I completely agree with that you know it, it could be something like I I was super naive and I had to and I kind of learned it the hard way but then I started actually therapy working on my relationship with other people because I went to the I was so naive and then as a result, I would just completely do the opposite where I thought everyone was unsafe and I would just completely isolate myself and refuse to kind of engage with anyone, right? And then therapy taught me that, yeah, there are some unsafe people, but they're also safe people, right? And now I'm in a space where I feel I can sense right off the bat if someone is good or bad for me, you know? And so definitely this this is a good thing to work on in therapy or with a coach, even a dating coach. I would say, though, if you're hiring a dating coach, for God's sake, especially if you are a guy who's dating women, stay away from the manosphere. Stay away from the whole oh, the game, you know, how to oh, stay away from the games. Honestly, if you, you play stupid game, win stupid prices. So many of the not all, but a lot of dating coaches are around playing games and just these most insane theories. Yeah, you can do that, but you will just get screwed over because you will hide your authentic self, right? So work instead on building authentic relationships. This is so funny you say that because I have one episode on my, on my podcast and I went on a date with a dating coach. Oh no! <laughs> it was the worst date. I'm not kidding you. The worst date of my life. Okay. <laughs> you no seriously this guy he was teaching other young boys who are about i think his average age range that he taught was 17 18 no based on the game i know i know it was horrible so i saw right through it and i was like dude what are you doing It was so played out. It was like so oh not okay. So no, you're so right on that. You're so right. Oh on my that. god. It's I think it's so unfortunate, you know, the way that young guys are being young guys who date women are being taught that they see women as almost like this they see it as literally a game where they see women as something to acquire, you know, and it's just, it just, yeah, you can do that. Yeah. You may get laid, but are you going to build authentic relationships with women? And no, you won't. Right. And it's just unfortunate. And also like, yes, it is this whole, the game thing that keeps saying this thing, like, Oh, women don't like nice guys. Yes. Us women who, who like guys, we like nice guys. <laughs> we, we don't like being yeah. like crap. And it's just, it's just, it's just silly. It's just, uh, it's so unfortunate. And then, it? yeah, it's, yeah. it's insane. I think, I, I guess sometimes I just, especially as someone who come from the queer perspective where I also date women and I just look at it, I'm just like, oh my God. I, I, like, I imagine if I was going to pull up with the game trying to get girls, it would just be so funny. It would be ridiculous. I would not, I would not get laid. <laughs> it's hysterical. No, it's, 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 it's right on the nose, what you just said. No. And, and the funny thing is, the people that I mean, or the guys that have read the game, honestly, I, I haven't read the book for why would I, but um, they show vulnerability, right? Because it's all, it's literally a game. It's a yeah. game. 
it's just to acquire a girl and uh and that's it that's it win that's play stupid game win stupid prices you're not going to have authentic relationships that way and you're going to be constantly scared of being your vulnerable self right 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 no not absolutely the way to go. not the way to go nope not at all so if you're no especially i would say if you're a guy and you're you want to hire a dating coach i would go for a woman in that sense or a guy who is not um coaching according to game um i mean approach god yeah. Yeah. oh my god he was actually quite successful in holland as well he still is it's so funny that the uh, worst date you had was with the literal dating coach like man you had one job seriously no seriously. <laughs> It was, and also, also the fact that I have been on plenty of dates, not proud of it, but then again, you live and learn. Um, that guy, top, top three worst dates of my life. So there you go. Nice. Sad, but funny. Exactly. So um, let, maybe we should end it on here on this note, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think this was a very, uh, we went all over the place, um, but I hope you guys got something out of it. And I am so glad to have you as my friend and my colleague and that we could cover all these topics because like I said before, I feel like it's not talked about that often because yes, we are also sharing our vulnerabilities here, right? Yeah, I feel like we both really have been sharing things. I mean, I've spoken about things that I haven't necessarily spoke about before everywhere else. So yeah. Exactly. Okay. Well, for those, again, who don't know who you are, Amalia, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Amalia Lee or at letsrecover.co.uk. And you can also find my podcast, Recovery Talk, on Spotify and iTunes and I God knows where else. I, it's just everywhere where podcasts are out. I do not have an overview, but just search for it and it will come up. <laughs> well, amazing. Thank you, Anne, for being a guest again on my podcast. Lovely to be here. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey friend, thank you so much for listening. My goal is to help as many people as possible. And if this episode supported you in any way, the very best way to show your appreciation and support me is by screenshotting and sharing it on social media. And I would find it so cool if you could leave a review as well on any platform you're listening on. If you're looking for additional support, you can always reach me on Instagram at Danielle Thenke. See you here next week.